Hey, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to Water Break with Waterboy on your Thursday afternoon, evening, wherever you're at around the world, 5 o'clock somewhere. Uh, I am excited uh, for my guest today. Pastor James uh, Coates is joining me. If you guys know a little bit about my story, I got arrested back in uh, September for singing psalms on the public square. And, uh, well, my case got dismissed. We won our case back on January 9th. But I don't think this is the same, going to be the same case for for Pastor James and what's going on with his church because Alberta and Canada is just far more um, insistent on making sure um, that the church doesn't worship in Canada. Let me introduce uh, Pastor James Coates. Was born and raised in Toronto area. He attended Western University in London, Ontario. He completed his undergraduate degree in kinesiology. So you know a little bit about the physical body and the spiritual body. And, uh, yeah, I forgot most physical stuff, but yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. It was in the fall uh, following his graduation where you heard the gospel. Wow, you became a Christian uh, and you were brought into new life. James, after that, I guess years later or wherever, James attended uh, the Master's Seminary from the fall of 2007 to the spring of 2010, where he completed his master's of divinity. And since then, he's completed his doctor of ministry in expository preaching at Master's Seminary. James pastors Grace Life Church and is married to Aaron, and they have two boys. Uh, Brother James, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Um, So you, uh, Alberta or Canada has been in some form of lockdown. Alberta has been in some form of lockdown uh, since this crisis started. Maybe give us a little background, a little context for um, when did the lockdown start? When did uh, you know? When did all this? And then, and then we'll talk about kind of your evolution of thinking as as we get into this. Yeah, we um, like everyone. The the pandemic began in March, and uh, we went down to like two fifty, then down to like a hundred, then fifty, then fifteen, as I recall. Okay. And so we were running at fifteen and live streaming for quite a bit, and then things began to build up again heading into the summertime. The declared public health emergency ended in the middle of June. Okay. And uh, and we opened up uh, toward the end of June, which was what we called nearly normal gatherings. And I say that because, you know, we weren't passing the offering plate. We weren't passing the, the plate for the Lord's Supper, but we were finding other ways to, to navigate that. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, when the uh, um, uh, lockdown happened for us, it happened uh, back on March uh, 20th. Our mayor shut down our town. And and, mm-hmm. and we had no coronavirus cases, zero. Like shut down our town, shut down our businesses, no coronavirus cases. Our governor shut it down on March 25th statewide, and uh, it's just it's just unbelievable. What? Um, all right, so so in June things started opening back up. When did things reshut down again? They they uh, declared a second health emergency in December, beginning of December. Now keep in mind. Oh. So we opened up in, you know, end of June and uh, we had a couple of cases that touched Sunday gatherings in early July. And so we live streamed for two Sundays just to kind of take precaution and clear that out and then open back up again. But when we were open from end of June and then and then after those two Sundays, we were in noncompliance with Alberta Health Services for uh, the entire time. So we've been in noncompliance with AHS in our province 
since, uh, depending on how you want to count it, since the middle of July. Okay. And then, and then things, things heated up uh, with another declared public health emergency. And, uh, and that's the one you referenced in December. That's right. So, so things, and the big issue is we're getting complaints. So because we're gathering, we're getting all these complaints. Apparently we had employees of AHS living across the street from us. And so they are phoning in complaints. And as soon as the complaints roll in, AHS has to enforce. So we had AHS and, and our, our RCMP police force at our church and, and still do essentially for the last two months. Wow. And then you preached this sermon on, on December 20th. I caught it the first time it came out. Um, but it seemed like you kind of, uh, you know, kind of were coming along theologically and processing this uh, all theologically. And then this, this sermon kind of was your theological manifesto on, okay, what has happened and how should the church be responding given everything that's been going on? Um, maybe, maybe kind of summarize that sermon real quick for, and why, why you came, why you came to the conclusion in December, uh, in all this and why you preached that sermon. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously living the pandemic, the so-called pandemic, um, all the way along, you're gathering data, you're, you're evaluating theological convictions, um, you know, you're thinking differently. I mean, we've never had to think about any of these issues before. We've never had to question the corporate gathering. We've never had the government reaching this far inside the walls of our church. So when everything first hits, we reluctantly comply, but we're, we're looking at Romans 13, we're looking at Hebrews 10, and it's, it's pretty superficial at that point in time. Um, yeah. and, and we're not very, we're not dialed in on our legal system, so we don't know what's going on from that perspective. But over time, uh, we begin to wrestle through this thing. I preach a sermon on Romans 13 uh, titled Putting the Government in Its Place. Right. And, uh, and that was when I, I, I preached, you know, a typical sermon on Romans 13. It was a passionate sermon. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but it addressed the reality that persecution is not the threshold that must be met for the church to practice civil disobedience. The issue is right. when it becomes a matter of obeying God or obeying man. Right. right. And so that, that was sort of bringing our church along. And then I preached on Hebrews chapter 10 and the paragraph where we have the gathering address there. And, and so that, that was kind of bringing our church along. I think when MacArthur came out with his statement mm-hmm. on the spheres of authority, that was helpful. It was it was affirming what we were thinking, but it was stating it in a way um, that was helpfully clear for us. Right. And so we uh, plus, you know, you're interacting with your congregants who disagree. Mm-hmm. And as they push back on the way you're handling things, it's forcing you to think through all these issues. Right. And so you're getting into the, the weeds on how to defend your position on the church needs to be open. Mm-hmm. So by the time December rolls around, I just kind of helpfully got to the end of John 8, and it was it was time to preach kind of a, a one-off sermon. It wasn't time to start a new chapter, and I thought, you know what? Given the heat that we've been getting with the RCMP and our gatherings, as well as AHS, it was time to address, um, address the issue head-on. And so I just basically identified the questions that needed to be answered and then just began to answer them one by one. And, uh, and so I would say this, I would say that in my own life, ecclesiology has definitely sharpened through this pandemic. And you'd expect that, right? Praise you'd God. You'd expect that. Yeah. When, 
Amen. When when yeah. when doctrine is being challenged and and you're being put to the test and you're being forced to really think deeply and critically about what you believe, that's when robustness comes to to our our doctrinal convictions. And so that that's happened in my life to be sure. And uh, and that that fueled the December twentieth sermon. Man, that that that's awesome. Uh, you know, I think if if one of the um, positive things that have come out of this is the church is. Uh, um, gone through some fire. I think the church is getting uh, growing in its theology, or faithful churches are, and the church is growing in how it applies the gospel to the public square. If you know, one of the reasons why we started Cross Politic four years ago was was because we didn't believe the the church was really applying the gospel to the public square well, if at all. And and now God's putting us through this uh, real test and fire and purifying. Hopefully, the faithful churches. And how we apply the, the the gospel, ecclesiology, and and all that stuff. So you preach this sermon on December twentieth, uh, uh, and it it's gotten a, a, about twenty thousand views at this point. And has is that kind of what you think has increased the scrutiny from your government on your church? Is there, is there a connection between that sermon and why you think they've picked up the the pace with you guys? I'd like to say no. I think I think that I think they would prefer to leave us alone. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it's too late now because it's so out in the open. But I think I think they knew that we weren't going to stop meeting, and I think they would have preferred to leave us alone. But the problem was they kept getting complaints because our parking lot was packed, and so they had to enforce the complaints mm-hmm. because that's what their job is to enforce the the health orders. And uh, so I, you know, in hindsight, it's possible that that sermon has fueled something because I can listen to our premier speak and it sounds like he's listened to that sermon and uh, is allowing that to to filter into some of his language he uses concerning us. Right. But um, but I, I would have said that they would have preferred to not have this battle, but they've been forced into it and we haven't budged. So we're in a stare down with what we call AHS. Right. And how do, where do they get their authority uh, to tell the church not to worship? Where do, where are they getting, do they have, I mean, in their own constitution, in your own documents, uh, do you, do you have, do they have authority to do what they're doing? That's a great question. And that hasn't been put to the test yet. We have a charter of rights and freedoms and, and that's not as sound a document as your constitution. You're, your, your constitution is a far better document. <laughs> it's not um, really working though. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I get that. And it's, it's, it's being eroded for sure. Um, as the days and weeks pass by in your country, there's no doubt, but, um, yeah, so we have the charter of rights and freedoms that gives us certain, uh, freedoms and liberties. They aren't inalienable. Uh, the, the whole charter begins with the, 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 the I guess, right for the government to infringe on certain liberties in the charter so long as they can be justified. And and that's the issue. We haven't yet been, none of this has been taken to court to test the justifiability of it. Right. And, uh, and, and with the declared public health emergency, that creates this whole new, I guess, system of government law because you declare a health emergency that gives all this power to Alberta health services. Right. And now they have this, this, unelected authority to, to enforce, um, yeah. government edict. So, uh, after December 20th, you guys kept going to church, going back to church, um, uh, joining each other in, in, uh, physical bodies in the sanctuary. Uh, you're, you're preaching every Sunday. Uh, 
and then they arrested you. Was it last Sunday or two Sundays ago? No, this past Sunday. So they arrested you this past Sunday after church service. So you went, you guys had your church service. They didn't interrupt the church service, but after this church service, they arrested you and and booked you. What is what does that mean now for where you guys are at? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first of all, let me just say the RCMP officers that we interacted with. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some that would wish they wouldn't be um, arresting me at all, but they they did approach it in a way that was very gracious. We in our in our services when they've come in, we've we've given them standing ovations and honored them as our law, our law enforcement, and so they have in turn treated us well. Um, so they basically arrested me and released me all in the same moment while we were at church. Uh-huh. And there were no cuffs. There was no detainment. Um, but but I was arrested. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so now I'm, I'm under what's called an undertaking, which uh, has a condition that I not uh, violate the Public Health Act. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a, a good possibility that in um, if we are to host a gathering on Sunday and I'll just say it that way at this point in time that we will, uh, that I will be arrested and detained following that service. It's a distinct possibility. Uh-huh. You know, I, I appreciate, you know, you being gracious to your officers. Um, I, I, I believe cops are legitimate biblical, uh, uh, you know, they're, they, I believe it's a biblical thing to have cops in our community. Uh, but at the at the same time, it's like they're arresting you uh, for um, worshiping. They're arresting you for having church. At, at what point do cops, you know, defend your rights versus enact and defend these unconstitutional or these, um, uh, you know, enforce these HSS mandates? You know, it's like, what, at what point do they, um, it, it, it's, it's just unbelievable that they're, they're going to enforce these unelected bureaucratic, you know, health emergency orders and not protect your God-given rights to worship. I, I, I think cops really need to kind of check themselves and what they're doing uh, in all this. I, you know, when I was arrested in my town, I met with my officers a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, asking them, you know, what do you believe about the Constitution? Do you believe you swore an oath to, to uphold the Constitution, not these health emergency orders? Why are you enforcing those health emergency orders over? Why do you arrest me enforcing those health emergency orders over the Constitution? And so I, I, and part of it is, you know, we've raised a generation or we have a, a, a generation of, of uh, leaders, including our cops, who, who don't have a principled understanding of what their job is and what it means to protect these people's, you know, its own citizens' liberties. Instead, they're enforcing these HHSs. Or HHS is it HHS or HSS? AHS. AHS. You know they're enforcing these requirements, and it's like you know, come on, you know, stop this. If if the pandemic would be over, if the cops would stop enforcing it, that's really where this comes. Well, it's amazing too because if you think about it, like we're at the the nearly the twelve month mark. Our our case numbers in Alberta are going down. And yet the enforcement's going up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been open for 29 Sundays. Right. 
Right. So for 29 Sundays, we've been open and now, you know, potentially, well, the 29th Sunday and then maybe the 30th, I'm looking at arrests. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's strange. Right. A year into a pandemic that we have all this information, all this data, numbers are going down. Right. And the enforcement is going up. That is that's eerie. That, that really is. And I'm looking at Alberta's data. You guys have had 128,000 cases and only 1,700 deaths uh, in Alberta with a population of about, what, 5 million in Alberta? Yeah, four and a half. How does, uh, when you know, what does it look like? I mean, I, I feel like the government has kind of worked themselves up in a tizzy in all this, and, and they have no way to kind of back away from the direction they're going. In other words, when when is the when are they going to um, lift these health emergency orders? Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, that's the whole thing. When will it end? You got new variants that are coming in. Um, yep. mm-hmm. You know, anytime a new virus comes in, here's the new precedent for how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is significant in terms of I think altering the the, the way that society functions, and and I would say we're at risk of losing um, civil liberties that we've enjoyed in our country since its inception. That's right. What, um, so how's your, how, how has your church been thinking about all this? It sounds like your church is back in, you know, uh, September, October. It sounds like you guys were kind of all having this debate, talking through the theology of what it meant for the church to be uh, reporting to Jesus and not to the, not to the government. Um, where's your church at right now with you? Um, getting arrested and all that. Yeah, you know, our church is amazing. We have a wonderful, healthy body of believers. We've got uh, solid men, solid women. Um, you know, we have been, one of the things you need in order to be able to to, to do what we're doing is number one, you got to have a unified leadership. Yep. We have a unified leadership. Without that, you can't you can't even be open. Right. So we've got a unified leadership. And then once you open, you got to have a congregation that's willing to come and and our our people have we have had our highest attendances uh in our in our current facility in this season we have visitors that want to come because they they aren't being shepherded they want the preaching of the word of god um people come to our church from other churches to visit where they are complying and masking and social distancing and it's just like an oasis they they see a, a body of believers together functioning just the same way they would have a year ago. Right. And, uh, and so our church is, is incredibly unified. There's no question there are some that prefer, would wish that we were handling the pandemic differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have handled it well. We've, we've only lost a few families in this time. And, and that's, that's regrettably, of course. We, yep. we love them. But um, there are many you know, churches that would be theologically like-minded that are complying. And so, right. you know, we're not going to hold them back from that. Right. And, uh, but yeah, we have a, I want to say that we have a, a level of unity in the nineties in terms of 90%. Praise God. And, uh, our church is good, solid, encouraged. Now the challenge is right now is that our people, the, the pressure that we've been experiencing as a leadership for the last two months is trickling down into the congregation with yeah. the increased media attention. They're now starting to feel it in various ways. And, uh, and so I, I feel for them in that, of course, as their shepherd, um, 
so far, uh, we've been able as a leadership and, and probably me in particular in some ways to kind of protect them from the heat. But that heat is now um, being directed at the whole church. So it's uh, it's a uh, it's a time of testing. But it's uh, I think I think our church. Oh, I know our church will survive this uh, because the gates of Hades will not prevail against Amen. the Lord's church. And we are a true body of believers. And. I believe that our church will come out healthier and stronger as a result of this. And I don't think this is the biggest battle that we're going to fight in our day. Right. I think this is just the beginning. Right. And so we, we need to begin to flex our, 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 our spiritual convictions in the face of, um, of legislation that is, is anti-Christ, anti-gospel, right. anti-God. What, uh, you know, why, why kind of pick this battle? You know, um, why pick this health emergency order battle uh, as a pastor? You know, why not just, uh, you know, do all the social distancing and everything to kind of keep the government off your back? Yeah, well, so bottom line is, if we comply with the health orders, we can't meet as a church. Mm -hmm. So, So if we can't meet together corporately, then we're not meeting. And if the reason we're not meeting is is due to health orders then the question has to be well who's head of the church right. is christ the head of the church or is the government the head of the church right. and so fundamentally when it comes down to it it's about who is the head of the church is the church subject to caesar with regard to its ecclesiology can the government dictate to the church how it must worship the terms of worship and we would say fundamentally not right. so you know, historically, I have been a hugely political guy because the, the political battles have largely been outside the walls of our church. Yeah. This is different. And we're not doing it for political reasons. But now politics are reaching into right. the body of Christ. Right. It's a jurisdiction that, that we as a leadership have authority over, not the government. Right. And so with with the, the conviction that Jesus is Lord and head of his church, and, and, and with sufficient knowledge to look at the severity of COVID-19, recognizing it's not nearly as severe as they projected it to be, yep. and recognizing that, that our people aren't in jeopardy of losing their lives when they come together. Yes, right. there are risks associated with COVID-19. We're not saying you're not going to die right. guaranteed, but nevertheless, it's, it's, it's not much more serious than the flu. So... Um, so with that in play, we just the only reasons that we could come up with for not gathering is the fear of the consequences. Right. Ugh. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Yeah. And and so, um, you know, a lot of Christians, we've had it really easy, us Western Christians. And we haven't really had to worry about engaging our faith in a way that there was consequences uh, in kind of in our Western worlds. And now, I mean, it seems like we went zero to 100 miles an hour this past year. And what it meant yeah. to be a Christian practicing your faith in the public square, going to church, and and so we haven't really been exercising. I think some of these kind of courageous um, Christian muscles, uh, yeah, you know, in all this, and so we've been apathetic, and uh, there's, uh, you know, our, our legs are weak, our arms are weak, our our shield of faith is weak, our helmet of you know salvation is weak. Um, has that? What is that? You know, I remember when I when I got arrested, I was you know it, it took a certain amount of you know kind of courageous muscles. It was nothing like what Rosa Parks I think did, 
her her courage was far greater than mine. Um, but I remember like you know basically tapping into these these muscles that I've never had to work as a Christian in my life hardly at all. Um, you know how, how have you kind of been processing and growing in courage and faith and all this as you've you've um, you know put your put your uh, church on the line. Yeah, I just think you're looking at the worst case scenarios and you stare down the barrel of the worst case scenario and you have to you have to digest that. And that takes time. And and if you've got the conviction that what you're doing is right and you're just staring down the barrel of consequences, then then you, you can't tap out because your conviction won't let you. Mm-hmm. And, and so all you can do is bear up under the 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 fear and the weight of the potential consequences and God carries you through that and you get to the place in wrestling with him where you're willing to just give it up, kiss it goodbye. And obviously at this point in time, um, I guess you would think that one of the worst case scenarios would be jail time. Right. And so you just gotta be, you gotta resolve that, that, you know, it's, you're going to, you're going to obey Christ. Right. And if it results in spending time in jail as, uh, as un, you know, desirable as that would be, um, you got to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. Right. It's amazing that we're talking about this in this moment. You know, it's amazing that we're talking about jail time for literally going to church. It, what's been the, has there been like any blowback from are the citizens kind of in Alberta kind of like, why is our, uh, health department doing this? Is, is it, is there kind of anybody been worked up about this? Yeah, I would say like, so Alberta in Canada is like the most conservative province. Right. We, we, we would be like the closest to the Americans in Canada. Right. And, uh, and that's certainly changing. But um, so, so I would say in our province, there's definitely, you know, some, some appetite for uh, civil disobedience at this juncture. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we had um, we were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen last Sunday, and we had four news outlets that were outside our service uh, prior to the beginning of our service. They basically eavesdrop on our services, and and they always seem to 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 take statements from our announcements and call it my sermon. So on Sunday, I'm gonna have to clarify for the media like this is just the announcements. Yeah, the sermon will take about 30 minutes from now. It's about an hour long or so, but um, but as soon as they we knew they were there. We posted a public statement. And with that statement, we recognize that as we address the public of Alberta, yeah. they don't care about the theology. They're not, they're not right. concerned about the theological reasons why we're doing what we're doing. They're predominantly why we're doing what we're doing. This is about Christ and obedience to him. Right. But we thought, you know what, we got to address the public on this issue of loving our neighbor. Right. Because the, the narrative that's painted is that we're so selfish. What a what a selfish bunch of people who have to go and worship their God right. and, and, and do so in the middle of this pandemic while we all sacrifice our lives by isolating and 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 you know next thing you know they're calling you you you're you're a murderer for doing that. And so we just thought, you know, we got to address this right. in language they're gonna understand and appreciate. It's tethered to theology because to love your neighbor as yourself is intensely theological right. and, and that shapes why we do what we do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, since, since that public statement, not only is the media clearly, I would say, um, disrupted as they try and control the narrative, knowing that statement's actually having an impact. Right. We do have folks that are reaching out and showing support. So, 
uh, there are supporters out there for sure. Wow. Yeah. Is, uh, is it, where, what city are you guys located in, in Alberta? So we are, um, just a stone's throw outside of Edmonton. Okay. And which, uh, so there's two main cities in, in Alberta, Calgary and Edmonton. Right. Calgary is the southern city. Edmonton is the, the northern city. Right. And we're like five minutes from Edmonton. Okay. And uh, it, you guys got – did you guys get a liberal PM this last round, this last time? Or is no, it, conservative. conservative. And, and how yeah, – how's he I, reacting? Go, all? Ahead. go ahead. Yeah, you know, go ahead. Yeah, well, so in the, in the summertime, he, when he declared the end of the, the first public health emergency – um, he referred to COVID-19, I think like six times as influenza. So he deliberately called it influenza. And, uh, and, and obviously the left-wing media and, and politicians pushed back on that hugely. How could you call it influenza? And, uh, and he did that on purpose because he was opening things up and it was, it was politically expedient to do so, I guess. And that's why he did it at that time. But his tune has definitely changed. Right. He, he's not singing off the same song sheet. Right. And, uh, and you know what, like, I hate to say it. I, I think he's a politician yeah. who is, you know, he, 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 he is under a lot of pressure yeah. and, and he's playing politics and, uh, he's in a tough spot. But I think when you have the opportunity that he has in our province, even if it's to the detriment of your career, you stand and take the right stance for the people that you govern. Right. What, uh, what do you think? So moving forward, uh, are you guys going to have church on Sunday? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and you're going to, you're going to preach a sermon full on full church service, everything. That's correct. Yeah. Praise God, man. What, uh, what has been the conversations with your elders and your church this week? Is everyone really encouraged? Everyone's of course, you know, knows that looks like more persecution will probably come. I mean, what has been the conversations uh, this week? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, we've just been trying to, you know, understand and, and set the expectation for what, what, what this weekend might look like mm -hmm. and what the fallout of this weekend could be. Mm -hmm. um, our guys are, are, are certainly resolved. I think of course, as things heat up, the, the weight that I've been feeling trickles down a little bit yeah. further into them and they begin yeah. to feel it a little more, uh, a little, a little more burden than they've been feeling. But we've got men that uh, are men of conviction. We want to honor Christ. We want to do what's right in his sight. And, uh, and so, um, we're, you know, the guys are supportive. What would, what would be your, if, uh, the PM came to your church service, what would be your message to the, uh, to the government, to the PM, to, um, during all this? Well, that's a good question. Cause you know, with this week and the way it's gone, like normally, so today's Thursday, normally I'd be well on my way in my sermon. I had a funeral that I had to do today. Uh -huh. And, uh, and so, um, you know, this has just been a different week. I, I'm wrestling with, am I going to finish the end of John 10 or am I going to do something off, off the map a little bit? And uh, I've been thinking about circling back to John, uh, to Romans 13 and possibly um, preaching Romans 13 with a view towards speaking to the government about what its role and function is and calling it to act as it's supposed to act. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and realistically that could result in a call to repentance. Yeah. You know, 
it, uh, one of the things that I've been thinking through in all this is, you know, from my arrest, you know, they, they arrested good people, good citizens doing good things. And, uh, you know, to your point earlier, Romans 13 is like the government's job is not to harass good people. The government's job is to go after evildoers. And we've, we've, over the years, we've allowed uh, this notion to flip. Uh, you know, we uh, have abortion in our country. You know, over 60 million babies have died since 1973. We flipped the definition of what evil means upside down. And now we're going after um, good people. We're going after uh, good people with the government and, and not, not evildoers like we should be. And it's just the, you know, we've had a lack of uh, discipleship in the church teaching its congregation and how to be thinking about how we engage our public sphere and, and how we uh, go about thinking the, you know, the, the spheres that John MacArthur talked about. Well, he got that from Abraham Kuyper. That's a, you know, a sphere, um, the the sphere of sovereignty, um, that whole concept or or the, the language came from Abraham Kuyper. who was a Dutch theologian and, and was the um, president or PM or whatever of, of, uh, 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 oh my goodness, uh, Holland. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. And, uh, God gave us three governments, you know, God gave us the church government. God gave us the family government and God gave us the, the, the civil government. And those three governments are not absolute. I, I can't believe that my governor in the state of Idaho literally believes that he has the authority to shut down businesses. Cause that's what he did. My mayor in, in my town literally believes he had the authority to shut down businesses. You know, what, what government, what world do we, have we grown up into where our government thinks they have the authority to tell you to stop making money, to stop providing for your family, and to stop worshiping and ministering to your congregation? Like it's, it's the, the, we have discipled our people into just accepting that this is, that this is acceptable. That the government has some sort of, I mean, basically they're they're acknowledging that they have some sort of unlimited power, right? That's when they declare this health emergency order, they are de- declaring that they have that they can be in a moment where they can have unlimited power and tell you what to do and and you know what to wear. You know your your government tells you to what face mask you can wear. Well, if they tell you what face mask you can wear, they can tell you what color it needs to be. And if they tell you what color it needs to be, then they can tell you. You know, to, to wear a condom because that's a that's a health hazard waiting to happen with a bunch of Christians having babies. You know, or or they can tell you to vaccine. You know, or they can tell um, uh, a bunch of people don't go shop over in this Jewish restaurant over here. Don't go eat over there. Like the connection between what the government is telling you to do with the face mask and the reality of what that could mean ten years down the road, twenty years down the road, uh, you know, is is incredible. And so I think it's really important that Christians um, push back and find ways to push back now. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be painful. It's going to put you through um, some hardship for sure. But God is in heaven and we're on earth. God's in control. He knows what he's doing. And he's, he's growing up the church. I, 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 well, um, let, let, let me ask you this question. How many churches in Canada are behind you and what you guys are doing? You know, that's a good question, and I, I don't know if I could say for sure. Obviously, you guys have talked to Jacob. Jacob's in Ontario, and uh, and he's a, a precious brother. Uh, we got, I hear from churches in B.C., and they're west of us, so, um, you know, uh, they're, 
they're open. There's some churches in Alberta that are open. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not nearly as many as there could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got, we've got, look in, in Alberta, we have a number of solid churches that are like-minded churches that we would consider ourselves brothers and, and would, you know, in fellowship with, and they're just approaching things differently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but even if each individual pastor leading those churches had the conviction to be open, they still have to have a unified leadership and they'd have to have a, a congregation that was willing to go. And, and, and it's just, it's so difficult to have the ingredients you need to be able to take the stand that that's required. Right. Right. Um, so it sounds like in, in Alberta, I mean, the, the, there's not much support from other churches uh, in, in, in your province. Yeah, I mean, not nearly as many as there should be, for sure. I mean, there was a, a solid church in Calgary that, uh, you know, a, a solid guy, Tim Stevens, he, he's been trying to be open, but it's just, it you know, it hasn't worked out for him. He's got the conviction, but he's just trying to shepherd his flock, and he's he's got to care for the flock that the Lord's entrusted to him. Yeah. Um, you know, we get emails and, and, and different things like that. Uh, and then we have the Diocese of Edmonton that, you know, does a public statement about us and and calls us out for not caring for the health of Albertans. And so we've we get negative. We get we get some positive and, and it just. Man, you know, I mean, praise God, God has made you for this moment and your family and your wife and your kids. That was one of the things. That I uh, noticed in all this also with my family was how supportive my wife was uh, when I got arrested and how uh, I'll never forget. I'll never forget this moment. But coming home that night after being released, I was in I was in um, the county jail for a couple hours. Um, but coming home that night, my kids couldn't go to sleep. They wanted to see me. So, they, you know, their bedtimes at 830 and uh, it was 10 o'clock, I think, when I got home, and, and they, they came running downstairs and, and just gave me a big hug and super cheerful and super happy. And, and, one of the, and it made me realize just, just how important it is for your wife and kids to be on the same page and to be spiritually on the same page. And it create you know, because, I mean, imagine, I mean, you going through this and, and you're getting arrested and you're living your convictions and doing it right. And, but your wife is not quite there and what that, how hard that would be. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it would almost be impossible. Yeah. Like I would say, you know, my wife, my wife is incredibly solid. And, uh, and, and so if there's any coddling going on at times, she's coddling me. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe now as things are heating up, I'm, I'm doing a little more coddling of her. Yeah. But, um, but she's been super supportive. She's just, uh, she just likes to say she's glad she didn't marry a coward. And, um, amen. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a hero, but I, uh, I want to, I want to honor Christ. Well, I've, I've drawn this, um, uh, connection, uh, before, but, uh, you know, the same courage that it took you to preach last Sunday and to get arrested is the same courage that it took Rosa Parks uh, to sit in the front of the bus. Uh, mm. Now, um, and, and the courage that it took her, I think, was far greater than the courage that it, you needed to take, even though I think your courage is significant. I'm not trying to minimize any of that. No. But, uh, you know, she had, um, you know, 
entrenched laws for decades against her. These these laws that have popped up in Canada have been for the last six months. So you, you know it's like you're right. you're rightly going against the grain. You're rightly standing up like you should. And and but this is why it uh, it it bothers me so much that the cops arrested me and arrested you is because basically they're the same they're they're the same kind of cops that arrest Rosa Parks. All the same all the same reasoning applies to those cops who arrested Rosa Parks to how the cops are reasoning with you right now in Canada. You're just following the laws. We're just trying to uh, you know, trying to keep the peace in our in our community. We we don't want to cause any problems and we're just so so we're just obeying our chief or obeying our health services department, obeying our our PM. And it's like, well, if you guys had Jim Crow laws in Alberta, you guys would be, based on those reasoning, based on the argumentation you're giving me, um, you would be doing the same thing with Rosa Parks. And this is why uh, we need to be thinking Christians and how we process these things. And this is why this moment's so important. Uh, you know, I asked the question earlier, why... Uh, you know, why pick on the COVID restrictions? Why, you know, make anything out of these COVID restrictions? Why not just try to appease, uh, go through this time, go through this year, whatever, six months, eight months, whatever it is, and not cause any problems? Well, it's because so much is at stake in all this. And we don't understand. And, and, and what's at stake is that fundamentally the truth of God's world and his word in our lives and what it means to this world. If cops are going to arrest you for preaching the word, worshiping, loving your loving your congregation, being a good shepherd. You know how much more cops gonna uh, uh, arrest uh, you know members of your congregation for, for pushing back down the road, or how much more are the cops just gonna as as they ratchet up the compliance because they're getting pressure from you know the health services, um, all the reasoning. That the cops are using right now, and and your healthy the health human services. A lot of the Jim Crow laws were health codes. You can't drink out of this fountain because you aren't as uh, we 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 don't uh, we think you're not as um, uh, healthy, or you're you're we don't want you to infect our fountains. Seriously, it was health code laws, Jim Crow health code laws, and here we are. You know what? What did it take for Nazi Germany to get to where they were at? How come all of a sudden Nazi Germany got to a place where the neighbors knowingly uh, watched their Jewish neighbors get carried off to concentration camps? They knew where they were going. They did nothing about it, and they said nothing. Well, that's because 10, 20, 30 years before, they were making all these compromises, not knowing all these compromises that they were making. And then all of a sudden, 30 years later, you wind up in a place that you never could have imagined you would have been there 30 years earlier. But because the church is compromised, because our citizens are compromised, we are now in this moment where pushing back, even to worship, you're getting, you're getting arrested. And it's because we basically become a Jim Crow nation. We basically become a, a people, a citizenry, full of people who would willingly adopt Jim Crow laws. And, and we are. We're, we're just adopting a different set of Jim Crow laws. That's all we're doing. But there's absolute truth reigning over us, guiding us in this process. That's why I think what you're doing is so important, not just for your 
but for and not for just Alberta, but for the health of Canada, mm. is because the truth of God's word fundamentally comes down and lands even in these moments, this arbitrary application of health codes in Canada. Kind of kind of rattled on a little bit, but um, I think it's really important that that the church understands this and that sees the connection between a government that can tell you to wear a mask is a government that can tell black people to sit on the back of the bus. And that's and that's that's no, that's, fair. that's wicked. No. Um, man, any anything else? Uh, I'll let you go here. But anything else? Um, you know, how can people be supporting you? How can people be praying? People uh, be reaching out and helping you? And, and what's going on in, in your with your church? Yeah, I would just say um, I think you know the the public statement that we made. If if people believe that's a, a good public statement, recognizing that's not the primary reason why we're we're where we are, but but it, it addresses the whole man. And I, I, I would say share that. Obviously, we can use prayers, the prayers of God's people, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, visibility to, um, to sermons that are helpful on the issue to try and get people to, to, to see this the way they need to be seeing it. I mean, the church needs to be cared for, ministered to. It needs the means of grace. All the means of grace are most operative in the corporate gathering. Christians have been without the means of grace for months and months. Yeah. The the church of Christ is languishing. I realize there's a, a sifting that's taking place at this point in time between the, the true and the false. Yeah. But we, we need the church of, of Christ to come together and, and come under the preaching of God's word. I mean, I'll say this, look, you know, this so-called pandemic has certainly stifled a lot of false teaching and a lot of bad worship. So, you know, in that sense, I can yeah. see how, right. um, how God is, 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 is not, you know, nearly as frustrated with the, the awful worship that takes place. The true church and, and herald the gospel and, and stand for the lordship and headship of Christ over his church and and gather and worship with one voice, one mind, right. in a in a gathering where the one another's are taking place, and and masks aren't inhibiting the the fellowship of the brethren, and uh, and and the church is being built up mm-hmm. to all maturity. Well, um, I know, uh, you know, I reached out to Pastor uh, Rayom and uh, really appreciate what they're doing over there. Um, I really appreciate. Uh, the stance you're taking um, in Alberta and with your church, and it sounds like you've been shepherding well. And um, we know that we don't fear those who can who can hurt our bodies. We fear we fear the God of heaven and earth. And we know when everyone's going to be called to account, you'll be one of those faithful shepherds there, man. Um, hmm. Good work, brother. Um, we're pr- you know, whatever whatever happens, this is this is this is the great thing. You know, whatever happens next week, God is in heaven, and you're you know one of the areas. One of the um, stories I've been drawing strength off of in all this is Pastor Wang Yi in China. He's got a nine year prison sentence for preaching the gospel in China. What hmm. the, the the small persecutions that we're going to go through doing what's faithful here in the U.S. and Canada is 
very small in comparison to Pastor Yang, uh, Wang Yi faithfully going to prison in China. Um, and of course, ultimately, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. That's the, that's the greatest persecution that has ever happened on this planet. And so Jesus has already mm-hmm. led, led your way, brother. He's already led your way for your church. He's led your way for you. He's led your way for your elders. And no matter what happens, they can't destroy they can't destroy you. So receive that as encouragement, brother. You got me tearing up over here a little bit. It is, man. Um, we're praying Thanks. for you. And, and you know, uh, stay on the line here when we get off because I want to talk to you for a second longer. Um, but uh, we appreciate you, brother. We're praying for you. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Please be in prayer for James and his church and what's going on, especially this Sunday, that the world would hear the gospel preached this Sunday at his church as everyone tunes in. And uh, so thank you guys for tuning in the show, for sharing it, uh, for supporting Cross Politic. We appreciate it. And I hope this uh, this water break has been an encouragement to you. Out. <laughs>